0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for one of my favorite shows and people, I might add, and that is Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And our host is Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. And uh, Philip is on the line. And uh, good afternoon, Philip. Sure. All right. So with that being said, we're going to jump right into it. And uh, at the beginning of this show and many of our shows, we say a silent prayer for our officers and enlisted folks that are veterans and also the people that are on active duty so we'll take out one minute and we'll be back with philip and uh, one of our uh, other things that we do here so we'll be right back Mm Amen, And we're glad to have you listening uh to us today on Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And one of the other things that we do that uh we all agree on that helped us get through that last half a mile. And here we go. I
0: can do it. I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. He can hang. He can hang. Young man. Young man. He can hang. He can hang. Feels good. Feels good. It's okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah!
1: Oh, yeah! Pick them up! Pick em up! Pull em down. And uh, we know that well. Pick them up and lay them down. And uh, we may be seeing more of that in the very near future. So uh, glad to have you listening in. And, Philip, you doing okay today?
0: I'm well today, David. I hope you are as well.
1: I am. I am. I. Uh, <laughs> Uh You know, the older older you get, and I know you're uh, not near my ancient age, but the older you get, the more you you really don't like change. And uh, I had to do the dreaded thing this morning of going and getting a new telephone, and uh, you know the. It's a, it's a national habit today. They don't quite tell all the truth. And you're standing there begging them, are you sure you transferred everything over? Are you sure you transferred everything over? Are you pa? And you know, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's sold 100% transferred over. And you get back to the office or you get to doing something on the new phone and sure enough, that 100% turned out to be about 92%. And uh, so then you have to go through this hoop and that hoop and try to figure out what to do with this and what to do with that. So like I said, old folks like myself really don't like change. I just wanted, I would have been happy with my old phone just if it had kept on working forever, but... At least it wasn't a flip phone, but uh, that's about the only thing. I, my old flip phone seemed to work better than the, than the the new gizmo. But anyway, we're up and running, and so Phil, the next time I call you on my cell phone, you'll be able to hear me.
0: All right. <laughs> that's neat.
1: Is that a fair move?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, as uh, the show indicates, we're here to remind everybody in remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And, um, this time, what, 30 years ago? 31 years ago? You were yeah. pretty much right in the middle of it, weren't you?
0: Well, uh, 32 years ago, uh, Saddam had decided that he was going to, uh, annex Kuwait. And, uh, it was a rather brutal move, and um, and at the time, I didn't really think that it concerned me in any way. But uh, later on, I came to believe that uh, it, it was significant to me because uh, I got orders to to uh, deploy. So uh, uh, It was it was not expected. Anyway, by me, but suddenly uh, I was thrust into this uh, this position of having to go. It was uh, it was a pretty new experience for me. Uh, you know, I <clears throat> I came in the uh, to the ROTC program first started in 1978. Vietnam was over, yet all the cadre who uh, instructed us they were all Vietnam veterans. And, uh, and of course, we were all focused on a the, the big fight against the Soviet Union in uh, biological, nuclear, and chemical warfare across uh, Western Europe, and uh, we always thought, well, you know, we'd get our, the balloon would go up for us to go there, and uh, then one day they decided they were going to use us in this thing in the desert, which... I certain, certainly did not understand at the time, uh, but I, I was certainly schooled on it as the events progressed.
1: Phil, uh, so for those that don't know, how were you informed? or Did it come down the chain of command from uh, the, the uh, organization that you were with, or did you get a letter in the mail, Dear Lieutenant Colonel Farsberg or Dear Major Farsberg?
0: Well, I was a captain at the time, but, uh, the, uh, you know, the 101st and the 82nd had already been sent over there, and, uh, you know, of course, we were watching things closely, and then, uh, you know, word came down from our company commander that, uh, that we had received our alert, uh, to go, and so, uh... It was a huge flurry of activity from that point forward.
1: Oh, I, it's got to be just uh, people almost running over each other.
0: Well, there's an awful lot to do, you know, to, to move a unit uh, that has been in Texas for you know probably close to 20 years, and uh, you know we'd sort of grown some roots. Our routine was to, you know, go, go do our, our, you know, training exercises, and be prepared for war, and, uh, it was quite a shock when we found out that, uh, they wanted to use us. And if you recall, at the time when, when we went, um, there were no declared hostilities, uh, between the United States and, uh in Iraq and uh, so we did not know for sure if we were going into a war or not um President uh H.W. Bush Bush 41 if you will he he made a lot of effort to make sure that Saddam had the opportunity to uh to back off and get out of Kuwait but uh Went on, it was clear that uh, he was not going to avail himself of any of the opportunities that had been afforded him for that course of action, and uh, so we came to blows.
1: You know, he uh, I kept thinking the whole time as this as it was progressing that uh, he had to be a crazy man, you know, <laughs> uh, even. Iraq is a small country and as large as uh, Saddam thought he was. To take on the United States, you had to be out of your head. And for him to think that uh, we were going to sit there and let him invade Kuwait, he had to be out of his head twice. And I, and Kuwait, uh, my son happens to be there right now but is a small small country and um you know I just I don't know where his thinking was that he thought he could take on the likes of the United States
0: well he did he did have a big army I think he had the fifth largest army in the world I'm, um we reduced it to somewhere uh less than that it he really started with 41 uh, divisions and uh, in 100 hours of ground combat uh, we had reduced his 41 divisions to uh, two that were still combat effective um, so I would I would call that a decisive victory
1: <laughs> yeah. oh yeah and uh you just you have to wonder what he was thinking or not thinking, and uh, you did that, like you said, in a hundred hours.
0: Yeah. Now let's not minimize, you know, the the uh, contributions of the air war that started uh, about a month earlier. Uh, we, but of course, he he provided us the window of opportunity to uh, do all of our. Uh, uh, air war, and, uh, so, we took full advantage of it, of course, and, uh, he was, uh, his forces were pretty well devastated before we went in on the ground, and, you know, uh, I won't apologize for having that advantage, uh, uh, but it, it you know, there, there was some serious, serious combat, and there was, um, that they tried to engage us with their tanks, it just they just were outmatched at every at every stage.
1: Well, y- you know, it's anytime you go to war, it's serious business. I don't care if I don't care who it is. If they're shooting at you, it's serious business. And well, deadly
0: serious. We, we were very serious about what we were doing. So. Um, it, believe me, but uh, you know we uh, we had been we were prepared for a lot worse, and uh, and I'm very glad that it was worse.
1: Isn't that the best way to be? Prepare for the worst, and uh, if it's less than the worst, then that's just you're better over prepared than under prepared.
0: Yeah, or we used to say, you know better to have it and not need it than need it and not have
1: it correct and uh, a lot of a lot of folks still go by that and uh, uh, I hope the country will wake up to the fact that uh, that needs to be our motto and uh, will realize how how valuable that is in many instances and particularly today uh, you know, I. This is sort of off the subject, as far as well, it is and it isn't. Uh, the uh, I guess it's Libya that's doing more of the threats than anybody, but uh, this deal of threatening Bolton and uh, Pompeo and and different. Uh, in the United States, we're not at war, we're not, you know, when they served, it was a good while ago, and for them to uh, be putting a price on their head now is again crazy to me.
0: I'll just uh, add that uh, it's not what I would advise. <laughs>
1: you you think we might have some plans in the uh, in the oven
0: I know that we have people who are planning every day um, for for every eventuality that, that we can think of
1: and probably a lot that we can't think of
0: Yeah, the the plans people, they have their plans numbered and, and, you know, the the scenarios and and, uh, they know the likelihoods of various courses of action by our adversaries. uh, And so they spend a great deal of time uh, perfecting our preferred response.
1: It's just a matter of the right people taking their advice and doing something once they, once they administer their advice.
0: Yeah, they, uh, you know we we have uh, plans that are um, ready to go off the shelf, stuff you never even thought about, uh, and that they. Uh, <coughs> They go straight to uh, Be using those uh, When they need to And uh, it would Make your head spin how quickly they can do it It made a lot of people's heads spin How quickly you have got Things together for Desert Storm um, Including myself uh, uh, It didn't seem to go very quickly When uh, you know We were spending every single uh, working minute of the, of the day that we could uh, preparing our equipment and our troops uh, to go <clears throat> seemed to you know, last and last, but uh, in the scheme of things, um, we were we were quite ready quite quickly on stay.
1: You know, I guess and uh, correct me, but you got to tip your hats to the logistic folks, right?
0: The logistics folks are, I mean, they're the ones that put the gas in the tank, right? I mean, they're, they're the ones that, you know, somebody writes the check and they, they make sure it clears.
1: I think they're, you know, it's almost, how, how do you really train for logistics? Uh, Is it just knowing which book to pull from the shelf, or is it, uh you know, did they have the training over and over again? Okay, well, we're going to summer camp. Okay, we're going to this, or we're going to that. So this is what we've got to have. And uh I've always been amazed at the logistics folks that they get it all packed and ready to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, if your logi- logistical system uh, fails on you you'll know it real quick and the, and the boss will want answers in a hurry
1: <laughs> I would imagine and uh, the boss probably doesn't have a whole lot of patience at that point
0: no, no. yeah. I mean logistics it's, it's not the most uh, glamorous part of an operation but uh, done well, it's just
1: bribery. And it includes uh, the armory and uh, many other things, correct?
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt.
1: And it's, you know, I've said this over and over again that I don't know how other militaries work, and I certainly don't know all of the facets of. Our military by any stretch, but do you think anyone in the, do you think any other country in the world has the trained personnel and abilities that we have? If we have to move, we move.
0: It's our, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's our goal is, is to make sure. It, nobody's more prepared than we are and uh, it's uh, you know it, it's a tough task and, and you can never really rest on your laurels uh, I think somebody once said you know we always prepare to fight the last battle we fought you know like uh, World War One. After World War One, we were, you know, prepared for... You know, our focus was on World War One type warfare. After World War Two, likewise. After Korea, likewise. Uh, I came back from Desert Storm and I got plugged into a unit that uh, was not sent there. And they wanted to replay the war. Well, it was already done. Uh, but whatever but uh, you know the, the logisticians they can't they can't you know uh, come up with excuses like you know that's not how it was in the last war there the, an army doesn't run on excuses
1: and once it gets to the top those excuses really fall off quickly Phil, uh, so we're going to take our first break right quick, and uh, we'll come back with Lieutenant Colonel Phil retired, Phil Forsberg, right after a couple of messages. Stacy Abrams says yes to defund the police as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacy Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And welcome back to Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Retired Phil Floresberg. And he was talking about his deployment uh, into Desert Shield. And uh, it came down from his the unit that he was with. And uh Adam, how much time did you have, Phil? Phil, did I lose you?
0: I'm sorry, David. That's okay. Uh, Before we left, we had, well, I would say, I think we got our alert, if I'm not mistaken, on about the 9th of August. Of 1990, and uh, I left with a plane load of uh, 250 soldiers, roughly under my command, for uh, Saudi Arabia uh, on the 23rd of September, 1990. And from the time we were alerted that we were, you know, on the movement schedule to go until. Uh, we departed uh we didn't have a single day off and most days we worked from about I would, my recollection it was about 6 o'clock in the morning until close to 7 o'clock in the evening sometime uh, and we worked Saturdays and Sundays and everything we I mean it was an awful lot to get done um and the, the moment our stuff was ready, we were gone.
1: And, you know, and, and your per company clerk, he was working his tail off, too, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, and throughout the war, it was, there was no let-up for him.
1: And uh, I guess what a, a lot of folks wouldn't appreciate is that uh, that company clerk, when, when, you're, when the orders come down to deploy... Uh, he's got to get get a whole office put together. Plus, there's a ton of paperwork to do, and I don't know if it's changed and has gotten that much better with the computer, but he has to make sure everybody has their will in order and make sure of all of the 201 files are in order, and then he's got to get ready to ship all of that because it has to go where the soldier goes.
0: We uh, of course we had the support of the staff judge advocate, there uh, at their Fort Hood, where from which I was mobilized, and uh, so they uh, they had a, an assembly line basically to get wheels done, and uh, <clears throat> you know a lot of that stuff uh, we did you know during peacetime that was the emphasis of what we were doing. Um, you know, there's a big concentration, there was anyway, during my tenure, uh, to focus on uh, readiness. And we had certain measures that were evaluated, and, you know, if, um, we would have an annual general inspection where they'd um, make sure that a significant number of personnel had their their wills and their final documents in order Um, you know things like um, you know the army has standards for uh, readiness physical readiness so you know they're concerned that you know you're uh, uh, you have the you know physical status uh, of being deployable
1: okay let's let's turn that physical status into the truth Shots. (laughs) Shots. <laughs> you have to have your little booklet that says, I've gotten all my shots. I don't need any more.
0: Yep. Yeah, your immunization and, uh, and, you know, even dental, right? I mean, if you if you hadn't had a dental exam or, you know, if there's some flag about a dental condition in, in your records, then you're not deployable. Uh, it's. A <clears throat> You know, and, and you know, you have inspections throughout the year uh, on various aspects of readiness, and uh, that's no joke. And you know, then there's also the readiness of your equipment. You know, is it is it fully mission capable? Is it partially mission capable? Uh, you know, there there are metrics all over the place for measuring. You know how how combat effective you can be. Uh, so it's uh, you know it, it it's a chore to maintain these things, and in peacetime you can you know sometimes look at it as uh, an unnecessary burden. But when the rubber hits the road, you you've got to know who can deploy and who can, and and what equipment works, and you know because when they go through, they look at they look at readiness, and and uh, you know an infantry battalion is an infantry battalion. So, you know, they, they say, who should we send? And they, you know, start looking at readiness and they, they take the guys who, who are ready. Uh, you know, I had a, uh, we had a unit on, on Fort Hood and uh, they had the Apache helicopters and we were getting ready to go and they said, you're on the list. Told these guys, that you're on the list. They came down and you know started evaluating their uh, equipment and uh, discovered that it was uh, well, there was there was some equivocation on their uh, on their readiness reporting, and they were summarily told, "You ain't going."
1: Wow. And um, and that and, doesn't look too good on the commander's records.
0: You no, know, that's kind of that's a career killer, you know. You're really good right up until when we need you, but then you're no good. Sorry. And, I, not, got it.
1: and I think this is, uh, you know, you, we've obviously got the active duty folks that would be called on, but we also have a very unique situation, in my opinion, ready reserve. And that means exactly what it says ready reserves.
0: Yeah, I think you're talking about the individual ready reserve, and um, that's a basically a list of folks who have uh, their skills cataloged, and uh, they can pick and and choose. Um, I can recall um, back in, uh, I guess it was about two thousand two, two thousand three. They, uh, I, I happened to be in the reserves at the time and called me up one day. I at fellow from aviation branch. And, uh, he said, You know, we're just updating our records and we want to know, you know, your readiness status. He asked me, You know, what aircraft are you qualified to fly? And he told him. And uh, he was all. Uh, that's it? That's everything? I said, yeah. Well, everything that you flew is been retired from the system. It's in a museum.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, well, call me if you need me.
1: <laughs> or I'll go check into the museum.
0: That's right. Call me when you need a museum curator.
1: <laughs> well.
0: If, you know, <clears throat> if you're an aviator and you've, uh, you know, not qualified to fly anything that's current in the inventory, you'll find yourself on a staff if they need you. Uh, they you know, they've plenty of non-flying jobs for pilots.
1: Well, once again, and I, I've said it before, but thank you for your service, and thank your family for their service. And, uh, you know, we would like to emphasize, too, that for those that are listening, be it uh, live or be it uh, in one of our archives, we always bring out the point that, one, how important the family is for uh, deployment, but also that the uh, military is a great occupation today. And yes, you can be deployed, and yes, you may be away from your family, but that can happen in business as well. So, if you're graduating from high school or from college and you haven't quite decided what you want to do, look at the military. And the military needs you today, and uh, they are offering some uh, great benefits and options. And we sincerely hope that you'll, uh, you or your grandparents or whoever's listening, will think about that young person going into the military and making a career out of it. It can be an awesome career. And uh, we appreciate the families and appreciate the folks that do sign up. Last okay. week Pardon me you, Phil. David. Go ahead.
0: And uh, you know you, you've got a young man coming out of uh, high school and uh, <clears throat>
1: he's
0: not sure what he wants to do with his life. He's <clears throat> But he, you know he wants to be self-sufficient. Um, you know, right away, right out of the box there. And you know, I don't think I can't think of a, a faster way to be, you know, on your way um, to making your way in the world and being self-sufficient than uh, than to go into the armed forces. You know, there's folks that'll tell you you have to go to college these days. You know, that's the default. And uh, there's plenty of people with college degrees doing jobs with paper hats these days. Um, and, uh, you know, if I, if I were going in, I would want to learn. Uh, is one of the trades or uh, or computer, uh, computer things, communications, uh, things that are in high demand. And, uh, you know, you can find your... Uh, <clears throat> you you are uh, highly marketable you know with skills that you can uh, acquire um, you can you and I won't you know I won't oversell this you can begin college uh, while you're uh, serving on active duty uh, there are challenges associated with that but um, and then of course you have uh Lots of resources for college. After you'd have uh, a, a real understanding of how the world works and uh, experience enough to uh, likely choose a uh, an academic avenue that would lead to uh, real, gainful, meaningful employment.
1: Well. My experience with the military is that, one, I wish I'd stayed in and uh, that, you know, it's uh, it's an opportunity that people overlook so many times and uh, shouldn't be. Uh, we have some problems today that uh, we've never faced before and uh, that's why we need our recruiters out there recruiting. Uh, there's a shortage of people joining the military and uh, I think it's that they just don't understand all the benefits that are available through the military and you know if you want to have a family and uh, they're just there are few negatives to joining the military and being ready to protect and defend your constitution but We have some people that obviously today haven't read the Constitution and uh, don't understand all the amendments. And it's a shame that uh, they're putting the whole country in a whirlwind of questioning. But that too will work out. I have no doubt that it will work out and be better than it was before. It's just a matter of time.
0: Well, then if you're reluctant to go in the military or uh, send your son or grandson into the military because of the, uh, what you perceive as the leadership, uh, then uh, my recommendation is be real careful how you vote. It's, it's not just uh, the lives of these young people. It's the very existence of our republic. That these uh, that our armed
1: forces back. Absolutely, and that's uh, that's why we start the show with a prayer and and uh, pray for our country all the time and and those that are on active duty as well as those that are retired and have served and are are veterans today and uh, you know support your veterans and there are all ways to do it there are all kinds of ways to do it and uh, some veterans need more support than others but uh, our, our country is coming around and I, I, I can say this even in uh, well, the past 10 or 15 years the amount that our country has come around to respecting the veterans more so today than they ever have been in my opinion And I think it's great, and the programs that they are coming up with for the veterans, I think they're wonderful, and if you don't know about the programs, all sorts of service organizations, the VFW, uh, American Legion, and I could go on and on and on, have service officers that you can go in and Talk to them about, explain to them what you're doing, what you've done, and they will guide you and help you along. And it's a very important volunteer task for those service officers to help our veterans and, let me stress this, and the veterans' families. A lot of times uh, families just don't know what they can receive Because their spouse, their husband, wife, whatever, was a veteran. And uh, there there are just many, many benefits. And one of the biggest is in burial benefits. So uh, take a look at it. And if you have a question, uh, you know, go to that service organization and talk to a service officer. And that's from coast to coast and around the world. And if you're listening to the program and, and our uh, we're gaining audience on with our active duty folks, Phil, and if you're active duty and you're about to uh, discharge, be sure you have your program together and don't let that 201 file out of sight and the DD-214. Uh, be sure that you've got your hot little hands on that and Know where you're going when you when you go and when you leave, and it'll be important to you the rest of your life. And HR, human resource folks, love veterans because they know how to give orders, they know how to take orders, and they show up and they work the hardest. So you know, you the military does a lot for the individual.
0: Yeah, I agree, David um, and when you, when you separate from the service uh, make sure that you have all of your records together, your personnel records your uh, and especially your uh, medical records when you leave, make sure you know <clears throat> where that is I'd keep a hard copy and a, uh, an electronic copy of all of your records very, very important
1: And you never know when you're going to need it. That's the other thing.
0: I was once told, and it's been very good advice, don't ever throw out a piece of paper.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you want to make sure the FBI has something to pick up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But anyway, with that being said, we're going to take another break. We'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg right after this. But listen to what she had to say about Georgia.
0: I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do
1: business when we are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. Abrams will destroy Georgia with her socialist policies. Vote for Brian Kemp.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're glad that you are listening to America's Web Radio. And, uh, keep in mind we're on 24-7. We play our archives uh, at night, and or you can go to our website, and if you have a favorite show like uh, The Doctor's Lounge or Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, you can listen to those. Uh, we have them archived on our website. Just go under Programs, and you can look up Whichever program or date that you wanted and, uh, you can enjoy us Sunday through Saturday and all points in between and you'll be amazed at what you'll learn. We've got, we've got Mark the Shark and Mark the Shark has a show called Bider Reality. He's a New York attorney and, uh, he doesn't take any hostages. He doesn't take any prisoners. He lets you know how it is. And um, we're very proud of that show and, and uh, appreciate Mark and all that he does. So, let's get back to remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm and our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. Philip, well, was it? Go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: A moment ago, we, we were touching on uh, benefits uh, that are afforded to veterans and. Uh, just to continue on that theme I'd like to emphasize just how many programs there are for uh, education for veterans and that comes in the form of uh, um, they give you uh, tuition assistance uh, up to a certain point Um, when you're on active duty the uh, Or, or whatever service you're in they'll typically pay your tuition uh, when you're going to school there are a number of, uh, of universities that uh, bend over backwards to make things uh, available and um, and uh, accommodate uh, the needs of troops maybe on a ship somewhere or maybe subject to frequent deployment and um, you know they they do things to accommodate these folks um, and then you know when you when you get out you have your uh, your GI bill and then of course these days you have your post 9-11 GI bill which is uh, a wonderful benefit that pays all your in-state tuition it gives you a, a living allowance or allowance for books um, so that uh, you can you know, you really can do that full time and, and make uh, your education your job uh, until you're done. The uh, <clears throat> uh, There's education uh, benefits for uh, spouses and certain education benefits for the, the spouses and children of... Uh, of uh, disabled veterans, there's uh, and then of course there's uh, vocational uh, rehabilitation training. Um, they have to make all sorts of accommodations for you. <clears throat> um, it's just uh, the benefits are there and they're uh, they're real. I mean, and they're real in terms of they'll pay you real money, like in the case of that. Uh, the post-9/11 GI Bill, they'll, you know, they'll pay you above what the, uh, you know, what what school costs, so that you can you can actually concentrate on your studies and not have to be uh, knocking yourself out to go to school. Uh, so for anybody who, who may be graduating and doesn't know what they would want to stay, know that they won't like to be in college. but They don't know what they would like to study. excellent benefits, education benefits, everywhere for uh, for veterans.
1: And and as you and I have talked in the the past, I don't know of any other organization that I can sit here and guarantee, no matter what your interest is, someplace in the military, they have a position for you. Whether it's... uh, you know, uh, nuclear, or whether it's uh, sailing, uh, no matter what it is, there is a place for you in the military, and all you have to do is go and describe what you're looking for, and uh, it may be the Marines, it may be the Army, it may be the Navy, it may be the Air Force, maybe you want to become a jet mechanic. Uh, but they have a place for you, and like no other organization in the world, and the military has learned to become extremely competitive, and they are competitive with civil jobs, civilian jobs. So you know, take take a look at it. Uh, Pass this on to your your son, your grandson, your niece, whoever it might be and uh, women, don't overlook the opportunity in the military if nothing else if you go in the army, uh, you might meet that right man, who knows but um, you know, the military is a great place and it is, again we've said this over and over, it's the largest fraternity and sorority in the world and once you've been in the military you have you have millions and millions of brothers and sisters that know that you've served and it's almost like you you can tell a veteran from 50 yards almost, but you have a friend in many situations because you served. So think about it as you're deciding on what you want to do in life. And, you know... I wonder out of Desert Shield and Desert Storm how many ladies and gentlemen would agree with what I just said about the opportunities
0: well I know uh, uh, I've had a number of folks um, that I've worked with who had served and and, uh, told me they really regret the fact that they didn't stay with them Um, Know to, to, an opportunity to be <clears throat> drawing a, a permanent annuity of a of a retirement that you know in your late thirties. Um, it's, it's really quite a, quite something. And you know, these days you've got uh, you know your your retirement planning people will tell you nobody offers a retirement anymore to find benefit retirement but you know, the armed forces they do and uh, and you know the civil service offers a retirement and, and uh, you know you wouldn't be the first to go straight to a military job right as a civil servant you uh, uh, you never get built uh, filthy rich as a civil servant unless you're corrupt but uh, you'll live a a comfortable life
1: you know and this is uh, I think something that people overlook and they think oh you know they've taken six years of my life or twenty years of my life or whatever and uh, you know that's any job takes that you know when you get right down to it uh, so, uh, you know, you just you just have to accept it and go on.
0: Uh, well, uh, you know, <coughs> it was uh, it was quite painful getting ready to go, as we talked about getting ready to go over for, for this storm. But I'll tell you, was nothing was was better than coming home.
1: <laughs> well, that's always the way, isn't it?
0: It was, it was a delight. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, I mean, from the moment I left, I mean, uh, you know, I was all about doing my job and, and doing doing what my nation needed from me, but. Uh, Uh, was certainly not a place uh, I I wanted to linger as soon as they let us go we were home
1: well you know I I think this is something that uh, well it it was what uh, George Bush that said as soon as we're through you go home
0: that was his promise to us that nobody's going to spend a day longer here than to nobody's going home till the job's done, and uh, from that point on, we were focused like a laser beam, if you will, <laughs> to get the job done.
1: Well, you know, we have to have folks like you, we have to have our active duty folks and our reservists, but you know, there's the old saying, There's no place like home, and I think that. A deployment just reiterates the whole situation and uh, you know a lot of things have been written about it a lot of things a lot of songs have been written about deployments but the fact of the matter is once you're there you're ready to do an about face and go back home <laughs> and uh you wait for those orders and uh and, gee, just like in every place else, uh, Phil, I bet you get a few rumors floating around about uh, when you will be going back home.
0: Oh, the rumors were everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, they just, most of them were fueled by wishful thinking.
1: Well, that's thats what keeps you going, though, sometimes, you know. And... Uh, yeah and it was so much different today with the electronics that we have and as I mentioned I think last show I I don't know whether that's good or bad uh, in some ways I would think it would just make you that much more homesick than you already are but uh, waiting for uh, the excitement of waiting for that for a mail call is always good when you get a letter yes
0: yeah. It's uh, it's crushing to be uh, left out.
1: Oh, yeah. If you've, got
0: a, if you've got a soldier or a sailor or somebody who's uh, out there uh, looking for a letter from you, uh, I would say be diligent to, to, to write to him and be making his day.
1: You know... You know, uh, uh, sending a picture, a goodie box that they can share with their, share with your buddy or whatever it happens to be. But uh, that letter, that personal letter, m- lets you know that somebody's thinking about you, and they've sat down and written a letter. And you know, no matter who it is, it's always important. And a, uh, and even a, even a. Uh, A card is important, and uh, particularly those cards that smell real good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was...
0: That was something, you know, smelling a card from home. It was a delight.
1: And always is. And there's... uh, People... And, and even friends, if if you've got a, a friend that you know that his son or, or their son or daughter has been deployed or on active duty even, ask for their address. And and just send them, a, hey, I was talking to your parents across the street, you know, and we were talking out in the middle of the street and talking about you and just wanted to drop you a note and say thank you for your service. And you'd be amazed how far that goes. And which brings up the fact of if you're at an airport or wherever you might be and you see a a veteran or you see someone in uniform, uh, and that that goes for our first responders. If you see someone in, in some kind of a uniform, See if you can buy him a drink, buy him a cup of coffee, buy him dinner, whatever. And it will mean so much more to you than it will even to the person that you're doing it for. Because you get that fulfilled feeling in your gut that I've done something for somebody that's doing something for me and taking care of me, protecting me, and loves his country or her country. And it's a very important Feeling, and we should never overlook it at all in any situation. And uh, this is one thing that uh, our military veteran brothers and sisters, I know they do it, and I know I do it when I see someone in uniform, and uh, I hope they do it for, for my son that's in the military. And uh, it just you raise your hand and you you've sacrificed and you've sworn to uh, protect and defend and if you've never done that then hopefully someday you'll get the opportunity to and uh, if you're young just like uh, Phil and I've talked look at the military as a career so Are things heating back up in uh, the Middle East?
0: Yeah, but I think that's going to have to wait for another time, Dave.
1: Okay. We're just about out of time, so we want to uh, remind you folks that uh, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and uh, we'll see you next week on Remembering Desert Chill and Desert Storm.